I didn't notice this first service because there would only be a couple eggs in the basket, but it's like a beautiful, you guys look beautiful this morning. Pastel colors and with all lit up and you look great. Good to see you. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. That's where the action is. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Luke 24. Holy cow, it's exciting. Like, here we go. Are you pumped? Are you pumped? Come on. It's Easter. Jesus is alive. We got something to celebrate. Uh, we got something to be excited about. Um, no surprise there. Um, but at the same time, what I, my desire is this morning is to remind you who Jesus is and why him being alive matters. Not just today, but every day. Last week we ended, you're at Luke 24, but uh, last week we ended at Luke 11. And <laughs> describing that Jesus is the light. Um, and I, I just wanted to start by reading this verse. You don't have to be there, but Luke 11 and verse 33, it says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket or under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. And we, we discussed and we discovered that Jesus is that light. And this is the physical representation of what the body of Christ is. is it's the light of God. The light of Christ shining in us, in our bodies, inwardly. So that outwardly we can shine. We can be the light of the world. And that like what seems so insignificant, your life or your impact, or how bright you think your light is, is truly connected to the source. Jesus. And that together we get to collectively be the lights together. And I don't know if you were here Friday. Anybody here Friday? Was that not awesome? So powerful. And um, obviously it's hard to tell now because that beautiful sun is beaming in. But uh, when it was dark in here, these lights obviously illuminated the room. And it was a physical and even a reminder to us today of what the body of Christ is. Us together make something incredibly beautiful. Um, and so this morning at Luke 24, we first need to understand that Jesus is that light through us, uh, that we get to be a conduit to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. So Jesus inside of us, and that, that light inside of us is not just some random, like, um, Easter morning, feel-good moment. It's the reality that because Jesus is alive, we're alive. And I don't even mean like physically alive, because obviously you're here, you're breathing, yeah, you've, you've, you've accomplished that. Like we're alive, but like truly alive, eternally alive, regardless of what happens to our body, our soul will live on forever. Not because of our effort, but because of his effort. Not because of, not because of us being uh, awesome and rising from the dead, but because of Jesus rising us from the dead for eternity. So we're at Luke 24, and right at the beginning, let's get it right out of the gate. It says in verse 1, but on the first day of the week. So at this point, Jesus has been crucified. Pastor Ben walked us through the, the details and the anguish and the things that, that specifically Christ went through. And the picture that it was, the metaphorical understanding of what he bore for us the sin on his shoulders, but even just literally the, the life of Jesus pouring out of his body, leaving his body, um, flowing to us. And he's put in a tomb, Joseph's tomb. 
And it says on the first day of the week, which would have been a few days, right, after Jesus was crucified, after he took his last breath, and he says, it is finished. The work on the cross is finished. And on the first day, at early dawn, they, Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Joanna came. It says that they were taking spices that they had prepared. Now, why were these ladies bringing spices to the tomb? They were going to prepare, prepare the dead body. Like, we get this. And, like, we know the end of the story. It's just, like, surprise, and I need to build up. Like, and there's a, you talk about pressure on Easter, seriously. How, like, what better news is there than Jesus is risen? I mean, seriously, like, how can I tell you anything today to top that other than reminding you of his goodness and who he is and what he means to us every day in our life and how he's risen? But for them, in that moment, they didn't have that news. They didn't have that revelation. They didn't know that Jesus was, was resurrected. And so they brought these spices to prepare the dead. When I read this, I immediately thought of how sometimes in our lives we do the very same thing, metaphorically. We've brought spices. We've, brought, we've prepared to deal with what's dead. Can I get an Amen. Is there anybody here today that has done that? It's, it's done. Why even bother? Like you, you're preparing for the fall, the calamity that's to come. It's a done deal. And maybe for you it's a relationship. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a business deal gone wrong. A financial hardship. A relationship that like you've walked towards, you've, you've carried spices towards this dead thing. It's done. You give up. You've waved the white flag. You've retreated. And I feel like today, like the, the idea and the reality that Jesus is alive is we have to understand that maybe God's inviting us to a situation that we've deemed dead where God wants to bring to life. A person's, a relationship, a situation, a circumstance. And you've labeled it, and maybe the world's labeled it. But God wants to bring resurrection to that. So I'm talking to you today, if that's you. But my deeper concern, my, my heart um, past your circumstance or relationship or past all that, I'm concerned of I'm concerned for you. Like so many of us, we're here. We're, we're breathing. We've got pretty, pretty dressed, pretty clothes, pretty things on, right? We're ready for ham. We're ready for the day. We're excited about the sun. But man, if you're honest with me and you're honest with the rest of us, and way more important than us, if you're honest with God, you feel you, you're dead. You feel lifeless. You feel like your body, your situation, your perspective, your hope is gone. And now you're just dealing with the death. Now you're just following through with what has already seems inevitable. This isn't just metaphorical. That Jesus wants to bring you to life. He literally wants to bring you to life. 
now. Like, this isn't the God of yesterday. Or, oh, this is what he did, or this is what he could do, or, oh man, did he bless our country. Oh man, did he bless people that used to just follow him and just, and like, but today, I, I don't know. Man, he is the God of today. He is the God of now. He is alive, not he was alive for a little bit longer and he got 20 more years. He is alive now, today. Like there's no reason why you can't come in here and yet seeing the reality of feeling dead, feeling lost, feeling that it's hopeless, but yet walking out with new life because new light is new life. When Jesus first, this is the thing that blows my mind, is that Jesus, the Son of God, God with skin, when he was in the tomb and the, the stone began to roll away and he sees light piercing in and the sun meets sunlight, the first thing he's thinking about is you. The first thing he's thinking about is the people that he knew and walked with and talked with and lived with. He cares about you. You're no different because he came to save you. And so for you to say, I'm done and I'm just kind of going through the motions of life and you feel completely consumed, feeling like a carcass, you're not, you're not. If you're not dead, you're not done. So Jesus wants to bring new life today. So as you go through the rest of this message and as we spend some time at the end worshiping, I want you to understand that you are not done because God is not done with you. Let his light, let his salvation shine in you and not, this isn't like, oh, that guy was so encouraging and he was so positive and I love being a conduit. People were so not nice in the parking lot. Like, that guy's hat was amazing in the parking lot. This is such a beautiful place. And you feel better. Hopefully you should feel better. But this is deeper than feeling. This is the reality that God wants to raise you to life. Get up. This is your life to live in Jesus through you. To be the light. Which seems maybe insignificant. But he wants to do something amazing. So stop claiming that something is dead when it is not dead. It is alive because of Jesus. And you're here today and you're like, someone said in the first service um, before we started, kind of saying like, I'm not really religious and I'm not, he's used that phrase like five or six times and I'm like, bro, it's not about that. You could be the, you could take religion and kick it through that small window. Get it out of here. Jesus wants to know you. He wants you to, to experience who he is. Is this ringing true yet? Like, do you understand this? Like, I know I'm like way behind already on the time clock, but you need to understand this. Like, his life gives us life. This isn't about doing it right or looking the right way or doing, giving the right thing or how many times you show up here. Jesus wants something better than that. He wants your heart. He wants your life. Life. Do you hear that? He doesn't want your death. He wants your life. And he's came to meet you in the dead places of your heart, your soul, your, the dark night of the soul, the days where you feel discouraged, and the days you feel hopeless. And if this day is anything, let Easter be the day that we remember that all days have a chance. Right? Like, you ever feel like, or you've had a day, you're like, 
this day has got no chance. Like, I'm, this day's done. Can we start over? Uh, some of us on staff are like, can we start 2016 over? Is that, is that possible? Um, know that this day is just a reminder that all days, all days have a chance. All days have a chance. So these ladies, when they got to the tomb, it says they were met by two angels. And they were scared. And they dropped. And they bowed. And they began to ask these ladies. They said, why do you seek the living among the dead? <laughs> he is risen. And they're like, what? You know, I mean, can you imagine that moment? I mean, they, 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 they approach the tomb. And something feels different. Something seems different. And then to hear the words that he is alive. Can you imagine that these ladies scattered, like they don't even know where their spices are anymore. They don't even know why they even came. Like they forgot that because they're running. These ladies, they may even run in a while, but they're running now to go tell the rest of the, the, the followers of Jesus that he is alive. They forgot why they even came in the first place. Um, and I love, the, let's pick it up in verse uh, 6. I love the words here um, that the angel said to them. It says, he is not here, but has... Are you with me this morning? All right, let's try that again. Everybody, let's, let's have participation. And then you can have ham later, okay? He is not here, but has risen and at the moment like like they didn't realize what was happening oh no maybe the soldiers did something with the body oh like they're like a couple of them are probably mad like what's happening but then they see the angels and like they begin to realize and then when they say he is risen the next word the next word that you see there is where i want to focus remember 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 how he told you? Well, how he was still in Galilee that the, the Son of Man had to be delivered into the hands of, a, of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise? Don't, like, don't you remember? <laughs> the next words are like, like, it makes me understand that yes, these, these ladies, that these followers of Jesus were just like you and me. Like, they forgot for the moment. But then, thank you, Jesus. The next words say, they, then they remembered. They remembered. They remembered the good news. They remembered that this was not just a man that did some cool stuff. They remembered that this was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They remembered that he said he would rise. They, they remembered that. It came to mind. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. And this is the whole, like, Mountain to climb as a follower of Jesus, right? You're no different. Maybe today is the first day you begin to follow Jesus, or maybe you've been following Jesus your whole life. This is the whole like, difficulty of following, is remembering who he is, what he's done, who he want, like, how he wants to change us. And even when we fall back down, even when we mess it all up, he's present, he's waiting, he's ready to receive you. He wants nothing more than to forgive you of your mess-ups. To wipe away our sin. 
because the sin is paid for. The darkness is overcome by the light. This is the beautiful picture of what Easter is supposed to be. The beautiful picture of what the resurrection is supposed to be is that we remember. Like, we're, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. We, if, you, if I asked, if I called you every morning for 364 days, and I said, hey, Jesus still risen? Your answer would be like, yes, absolutely, yeah. Like, and it would get old. Like, by the, you'd like start wanting to like ignore my calls. Like, seriously, this guy, what is he doing? Why is he calling me? But you would understand that, that logically, that yes, he's still risen. But then there's this day where Easter, where we dress up this way, and it's sunny outside, and we take little plastic eggs, and we break them, and we eat the candy, and like we do all this fun stuff to remind us of the, that the sun has risen, and that the light has come. And so I want to like bring the reality of like the obvious thing in the room, is that this is the day that reminds us that all days have a chance. And for them, this was a reminder that it was about to all change. Everything was about to change for them. So they went and told the disciples. <laughs> and I, I love their response, like their physical response, is they wanted to see the light. They wanted to go to the light. They wanted to see Jesus. Because they knew that this was not just some man. And they knew that if he was really the light, that he said that he was, that he would cast out all darkness. That he would cast out all evil. And so this, again, is a reminder to us that Easter is the day, not just that we remember that, it's, that every day has a chance, but we remember that death does not have the last word. Darkness does not have the last word. Um, I've been fascinated by this story uh, I heard recently, and it's about this boy who was from uh, the Maasai tribe in, um, in Kenya, and um, he tells this story um, on the stage of the TED conference. Now, anybody heard of TED, the TED conference? It's a uh, conference that takes place in different parts of the country, or in, specifically in, in Canada. I know there's a couple places, but the main one is in Southern California, and it's a place, it's a stage. It looks similar to a church. It's certainly not a, a Christian organization by any means, but they bring the world's like greatest minds, or the great, like TED stands for um, ideas worth spreading. And so like it's a tremendous stage for like people from all walks of life and all perspectives to come share inspiring ideas. And, and this boy, um, named Richard Terriri, um, is from Kenya. He's 10 years old. And he's speaking on this stage. And he got to fly in a plane for the first time. It's what he always wanted to be when in Africa, not having that technology and seeing the, the planes like tiny, like so small in the sky. He wanted to not necessarily be a pilot, but he wanted to be a, mechan a pilot mechanic. Um, he got to fly the plane for the first time, Robert did, to come to California and to speak to these people and to tell them his story. His story is fascinating. He, uh, his family lives in, 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 in Kenya, and their farm is right on the edge of the outside of the Nairobi National Park. Now, in the park is what you would typically think is in the park. If you go on an African safari, you're going to see it all. 
elephants and hyenas and giraffes and what else? Lions, right? That's what we're really interested in. This story better be about lions, seriously. <laughs> and so he described how, as a boy, like his job was to take care of his father's cows and, and, and to, to, to shepherd them and to take care of them. And he explained that like, at the end of the, the, the park, let's say park, you're thinking like slides and, and like swings and stuff. This was like, a, like, you get it, safari park. There's no fence. And so what was happening was, and for forever, uh, these lions were coming into the farm, and they every once in a while they would take out and have one of these cows for dinner. Beef, it's what's for dinner, right? And so this was something that they just got used to. And the Maasai, if you know anything about the Maasai, specifically the Maasai warriors, I mean, they're, they're a traditional tribe that hold a lot of the traditions even to this day. And you're maybe really familiar with the dress and specifically the warriors. And it's even believed that, that some of them practice and understand the, 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 like the, the depth and the meaning of hunting, but also understanding the, the beautiful nature of God's creatures um, and even the lion. So the, so the, the natural idea, idea for like Murica for us to do, be like, oh, those lions are causing trouble. Well, now they're all going to be annihilated. Like they didn't have that mindset because they're beautiful creatures that God has created. Obviously they did at different times, they would kill lions. Specifically, the, one of the rites of passage for these young Maasai uh, warriors to, from, to become from a boy to a man, one of the rites of passage is to be believed that they are to kill a grown male lion. Not with a gun. Spears. This is an, uh, a, uh, a, a traditional tribe. Now, he, he lived a normal life, and his family tried to live a normal life, but the, as their farm, it was a normal thing. Like, it was just, it's just, it's like telling him that we get, like, feet of snow overnight. He'd probably think, you're crazy, all right? But for him, it's completely normal. Um, and as his job was to take care of his father's cattle, what he realized is that he needed to uh, think of a way, find a way to keep these lions from touching the cattle. And so, obviously, just being a 10-year-old boy, he's got a lot of great ideas. And so, um, one night, he, he tried and he made a scarecrow. And he put it out there um, at night to make sure that the lions knew that, that it appeared that someone was there or whatever, and that would scare them away. And it actually worked. Like, the lions left. And they didn't leave the cattle, or they left the cattle alone. But the very next night, uh, he tells the story uh, so much better than I do. And he explains how, like, they realized that, that it wasn't, that it was a scarecrow, and they, they took out one of the cows. So, like, that idea certainly didn't work. And so he began a different idea, that he got a torch, a, a big flame, and he began to walk around every night, all night. He began to walk around the cattle. And it worked. Like, the lions left him alone. And, but then he realized the danger of a 10-year-old boy out in Africa by himself, knowing that lions are probably watching his every move. And he realized that I can't, and he's got to sleep. He realized that he couldn't do that every night. So he tried to come up with an invention, which is ultimately why he's speaking on the TED stage in Southern California. Richard is. And he explains what he did as he went inside, and he took to his mom's radio, and he ripped it all apart, which he says uh, did not go over so well um, with his mom. Rips that apart, and he... He gets all these things, and he gets a car battery, and he gets a, a motorcycle part from the nearest town, and he puts all these things together, and he fabricated, he engineered this 
this light system that would blink and light up in different ways when it would, when it would have these sensors on it. This kid's brilliant. And he set it all up, and you know, like, what if our kids did that? I'm sure we'd be like, yeah, bud, sure. Blinking lights, that's going to stop the lions. Like, yeah, that's actually going to be effective. But it actually worked. And there's never been a lion attack since the day he set that up. And his invention, he began to be asked by the neighboring villages and other farms that he would come and he would make the same thing. And he ended up making it like out of solar energy and all this crazy stuff. And these scholarships from all over Kenya began to be offered to him as a boy to these schools, these great schools, because they wanted to know like that kind of engineering um, saved the cattle, made people safer. And the whole point of what I'm trying to say is that he's on the stage and he's explaining the power of this. And he's, not, he's saying this, is, this wasn't magic. And this wasn't like his brilliant mind. It just simply proved that the light drives out all that's evil. And this is the heart behind Jesus when he talks about light. Light is not a sword. Light is not a gun. But yet every time... The light will drive out all the darkness. When the lights are on, it exposes everything. And it drives out everything that's evil. So Easter, let it be a day that we remember that death does not have the last word and that darkness does not have the last word. But light has the last word. And new life has the last word. And Jesus had the last word and still has the last word. And I want to move on in this part where it says the next thing. It says, but Peter, in verse 12, Peter rose and he ran to the tomb, stooping in and looking in. This is Peter. This is the guy that just a few days, like the night that Jesus was, was crucified, was betrayed, he denied his Savior. He denied Jesus three times. I don't know that guy. I want nothing to know. I'm not, don't associate me with, oh, I'm not. And the guilt and the shame that he felt. And he forgot about it. And he ran to see if what he heard was true. That Jesus rose from the dead. Think about this. Like, this is like, no, like, oh, that, I kind of like dissed Jesus a little bit. Like, he completely, like, denied Jesus. And here now he is. The moment he heard that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is alive, he runs to the tomb. And for a moment, he forgot his sin. For a moment, he forgot what he did wrong. And he remembered the risen Jesus. And he came to see the risen Jesus. And this is the picture, guys. Listen, listen. Like, forget your sin. Run from your sin. And remember the risen Jesus. Him being alive is a reminder to you that your sin doesn't matter anymore. He's conquered your sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered it all. We're Peter. We have to run to Jesus. And I often wonder, like, in a different account, it talks about how him and John ran and that John beat him to the tomb. Um, and I often wonder if Peter was like the rest of us, where, like, he's, like, running after Jesus to see, to see, like, if it's true. That he's truly risen from the dead. And then, like, he's, like, almost there. And he's, like, oh, crap. Shoot. 
And then he like, he's like, do I go? No, I got to go see Jesus. No, uh, I, I totally denied him. Uh, like, I wonder if that was his. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so many of you are in that spot. And I get this way too. Like, you, you begin to see the goodness and the amazing, like, a risen Savior. But then you remember how rotten um, you are. Or how wicked we were. Or can be. And Jesus is stooping down in this moment and he wants to tell you that it's about him and not about your sin. Why do you think he did Friday? So that the sin could be paid for. The sin was dealt with. He even said, it is finished. Like that part is done. Turn from your sin, run from your sin, and run to the risen Savior. So the next part, and this huge, this next big section, and then we're going to close like, like, as we celebrate and worship and we sing, uh, just celebrating what God has done, we, we see another situation where people didn't remember or they didn't realize what was happening. It says that some of his followers begin the, the walk to a, a place called Emmaus in, in Luke chapter 24. It says as they were going along, they began to talk about what, how the word had spread, that Jesus was alive. And like, here's the thing, and you're here today, and like, uh, you, you've heard God loves you. You heard that Jesus died for you. You've been taught these things. Or like, I don't know whether you accept them or, or deny them. But understand that, like, I don't care. Like, I can say this with love, but full boldness. I don't care where you stand on God's existence. This proves God's existence. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. It's done. He's God. Yep, pretty much. And so for them, their conversation was filled with that. Like, are you kidding me? He said he was going to rise, but I didn't know he was really going to do it. Like, he was, he was not talking in metaphor. He was talking, like, they're walking to Emmaus. And it's seven miles. And it says that Jesus, the risen Jesus, in physical form, like, Jesus, God with skin, is walking with these men. And it, but it says that um, they didn't, how do you say it? Verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And I don't know how that worked, um, but they didn't recognize that this guy was walking with him, that, that he was Jesus. They just thought he was maybe some stranger. And Jesus asks, he's like, well, guys, hey, what is this you're talking about? And this guy named Cleopas, this poor guy named Cleopas, responds with like a smart aleck answer to the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's like, are you really, really, dude? Like, you're the only visitor in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? <laughs> I love that. Like, I wonder if later he was like, I'm such a doofus. Man, that was Jesus the whole time. Like, I wonder, like, what that was like, but uh, he didn't get it. Jesus is like, what things? And then begin to tell him, like, that concerning Jesus, that he came, and he was supposed to be the redeemer of Israel, and he was going to save his people. And then he was delivered to be crucified, and that he rose from the dead. You don't know this? And, the, and here's the whole, the, the whole point of, like, how the Jews, they dispute um, the resurrection of Jesus in a couple different ways, but specifically this one way is, like, they'll claim, even though that the water and the blood spilled out when his side was pierced, even though they took his dead body down and they put him in a tomb and they sealed it. Some still claim that he was like almost dead. Like beaten to a bloody pulp 
and then, but like didn't truly die. But here he is like a couple days later on a seven mile hike. No big deal, right? Explain that one to me. Seven miles to Emmaus. Explaining and talking with these guys and essentially playing um, dumb to what is going on. And like hearing them explain the excitement of the risen Savior. And then it says that they, they got to the place they were going and, and, and Jesus like kind of made the impression that he was going to keep going. And they said, well, it's late, sir. Would you like to come in and, and stay with us? And would you like to, to, to eat with us? And so Jesus did. And they didn't recognize him still. And I wonder, like, when they came in, like, what that was like. Like, I can't really see well, but I'm going to invite this guy into my house for dinner. Like, imagine that situation. But yet they bring him in. And it says that the moment that they saw Jesus for who he was was when he broke the bread. So the very moment he, he revealed himself was at this dinner table. As he explained that he was, was not about to be. We've done Friday. It's Sunday, and he's alive, and he's saying, I was broken for you. I was poured out for you. And their eyes lit up, and they saw Jesus for the first time, and everything changed. And they wanted to tell everybody about it, and eventually they told the disciples about it. The rest of, the, of his disciples. In verse 36 and on, they got to see that now the resurrection was not just about awesome, like Jesus is alive now and cool, now we get to hang out with him. For them, it meant that they are alive. It meant that they don't have to be conquered by eternal death anymore. That they can rise with Christ. It was a picture, and it's a picture to you and me, that we are alive, not just now, breathing, but we are alive for eternity because of the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. That death does not have the final word. That pain does not have the final word. That sorrow does not have the final word. Grace has the final word. His love has the final word. All that Jesus bore, Pastor Ben explained so clearly Friday. And we displayed for you on these tables what that would have been like to see the bread broke. And then for them shortly after to see the body of Christ actually broke and his blood, his life poured out for you and I. So, so what is a gift if we don't receive it? What is his life pouring out if we don't receive that life? And we don't see that his life has the last word. And we don't remember that every day has a chance, not just Easter, not just this day, not just when it's sunny on Easter. Because I remember Easter's where it's like, Snow. And that's fun. That's hard to get excited about, right? But Easter is a reminder that all days have a chance. So you're here today, and, and maybe you're like that guy I talked to in the first service, like you're not really, this isn't maybe your thing. I just want to invite you that, that like, this, wasn't, this wasn't the um, being religious or coming to church um, or following the, the religious practices wasn't the end goal. Life was the end goal. Hope was the end goal. Peace was the end goal. Receiving God's mercy was the end goal. Because the end goal for Jesus was 
that the wrath of God was poured out. That the light was turned off for a moment. That darkness consumed for a moment. But that light has come and new life can come to you today. So what is it for you? What, what does this mean in your life? I don't mean, like it said at the beginning, just some areas of your life that need God wants to bring life to, but like your actual soul. Do you know Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Do you know that when he saw light, the first thing he thought about was us? Do you know that he wants to redeem you and save you? Do you know that he wants to give you another chance and another chance and another chance? Why? Because he loves you. Remember who he is. Remember who he is. The last thing I'll say, and then I'll be quiet. Because I think this part's really important too. What was the first thing that, that, that Jesus, what was show and tell for Jesus to his followers, to his disciples? It was his scars. Have you ever thought about this? You're the, like, you're the king of kings. You're God with skin. Why did you leave the scars? Why, why did he leave it? And like, you, like, of course, you're answering your head. and Like, we all know logically, like, oh, yeah, so he could show people, like, the beautiful power of healing. How many of you have scars? Like, in our lives, we're, like, not okay with it. And I got the scar, and I try to hide it. I, 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 like, I like, try to not let people see my scars because I'm afraid of what they may think. Jesus' scars were open in his, like, literally. And he, it was the first thing he was showing people. Because scars are a beautiful reminder of healing. And some of you today, like, you have an open wound. Not really. You think you have an open wound. You think something is, is, is still, excuse the, the analogy, but you think that it's still bleeding. You think that it's not been healed. But by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are forgiven. By his punishment, we are, we are set free. Freedom has come because he's alive. Freedom has come because the scars display the beautiful nature of healing. Who needs healed today? Who needs set free today? Who needs to say, yeah, that scar of my life, like, I need to see that differently. I need to see that as a beautiful reminder of God's healing and not a beautiful reminder of the pain. Because pain didn't have the last word. Jesus did. And so my invitation to you today is for everybody that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is alive, but why wait? Let today for you, maybe you've not done that, let today be the day you say, you know what, I'm on the Jesus train. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for forgiveness. Sign me up for freedom because I know his life can give me life. I know that new light equals new life in me. If any man is a Christ, is a new creation. There's no better day than today for that, for you. So would you pray with me? Maybe today 
you're here and like, man, you don't understand it all maybe or grasp it all. You're not sure what this means. But I can't, I can't stop without giving you the opportunity to begin that relationship with Jesus by faith. Would you remember today that he loves you? And just affirm that in your heart and thank him for rising from the dead. Thank him for what he did for you on the cross. Celebrate in your own heart and mind who he is, what he's done, or even in this moment, what you want to ask him to do. Would you ask him? Would you pray to him and ask him to save you, to forgive you, to bring life where there's death, to bring hope where it's hopeless? this is the day that we remember that all days have a chance. This is a day that we remember that evil did not have the last word. Today is a day that we remember that death does not have the last word. That despair does not have the last word. That our pain does not have the last word. That abuse does not have the last word. You have the last word. Grace has the last word. Love has the last word. Mercy has the last word. Peace has the last word. Your word is the last word and it's alive today in us. And we claim it and we celebrate it and we live in it. We will be your light because you are our light. We will be the light of the world. We will shine not our strength, but all your strength. Holy Spirit, live inside of us. Shine through us. Shine past the parts that we've claimed are dead that you've named alive. Shine past the parts that we've given up on that you say, don't give up. Don't give up. Get up and live. Be a picture of life. Be a picture of the risen Christ. And that happens in our joy. That happens in our countenance. That happens in every area of our life. Redeem us. Even now. We thank you, Jesus. We celebrate. We worship you. It's because of you that we're here. It's because of you that we live. We are free and we are alive. May today be a day a reminder of that.